from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. Yeah, it's the Craig Needles Podcast, and we're going to do a Wednesday episode which we don't typically do, and we're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode than normal because some news is broken that I, I, I found to be interesting, and I wanted to talk with Councillor Scott LaFranc about it, and that is that Thames Pool... Uh, is not going to be opening in the summer of 2023, much in the way that it didn't in 2022. And also, city staff have recommended we do not open the pool again. We're going to get into why right now. Uh, Councillor Frank, uh, of course, represents Ward 11, where Thames Pool is. Uh, thank you very much for joining us to, to chat about this today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So first, this is not a good news day. Uh, and, and, and no one is happy about this. And, and I know that aquatic staff is not going to be happy about this. People who live in, in Old South, uh, Wortley, and, and even other places in the city are not going to be happy about this. When you found out this is what staff had recommended, what was your reaction? Yeah, um, I was on a call with staff and they were explaining what was happening. And, and I, I'll be honest, I had thought it was going to be closed for sure for 2023, just based on the conversations. Um, but I was not expecting the recommendation of decommissioning and, and closing it forever. So um, when they're explaining what was going on, uh, I actually like laughed a little because I was kind of shocked. And then I was like, oh, no. And then, yeah, they, they kind of made the recommendation of decommissioning, which, um, you know, in the report explains why they arrived at that decision. And that's the the sad part about this because Thames Pool is such a significant part of the community and such a big deal in the summer. So I, I get how they arrived at that conclusion, but geez, that's it, it's it's tough news to take. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's what I said. Like the, you know, I laughed out of awkwardness because I was like, oh no, like what? Where are people going to go? People are already so upset that it was closed in 2022. It was something I heard a lot at um, the doors when I was campaigning. So, yeah, I just knew the minute they were telling me that, that the community, there's going to be a, a very, very upset um, community and not only Ward 11, but downtown residents um, and across the city, aquatic clubs. So it's one of the highest used pools in the city. And uh, yeah, I don't think anyone wants this to happen or expect it to happen. So the question is, what happens now? Uh, you and your colleagues in council present been presented five options by staff here, and there's there's various pricing models and, and and things that go into it. The one that staff recommends is decommissioning the pool and putting a splash pad where the pool is now. They don't have a, an attached dollar figure or timeline to that. Some of the other things do have an attached dollar figure or timeline, but they come with the risk that we may have to do this stuff again as the ground under Thames Pool shifts. And of course, it's on the floodplain. So that is added to some uh, construction and repair concerns surrounding the pool. Have you had a chance to look over those options? And, and did anything stand out to you amongst those those five uh, those five things that staff presented to you as ways we could go forward here? Yeah, yeah, I have had a chance to look through the report and um, it uh, it. Yeah, it's tough. All, all the options have advantages and disadvantages. And so it's trying to weigh what makes the most sense for the community, what what makes sense from a financial perspective, what makes sense from um, like a citywide recreational perspective. So um, I was trying to balance them and figure out, you know, what what makes the most sense. I do want to hear from residents because I they, you know, they haven't seen this yet. And um, they'll have an opportunity. I have a town hall on April 1st, so I, I want to hear people, you know, they'll probably come and talk to me, but also via email and phone. Um, I did notice that, like, consistently on the disadvantage side about um, going through just the repair process, 
it looked like it was unlikely to, we we're unlikely to get a warranty, um, you know, because it's expected that this will happen again. Um, except the, the only one that didn't have that was the complete rebuild of the site, which would incorporate, you know, more engineering provisions to deal with the groundwater. Um, but that was estimated at $12 million. So uh, yeah, the, the financials to, to try and get that are a tough pill to swallow as well. Yeah, that's it, it's it's a lot of money. Obviously, twelve million dollars is a huge amount of cash. If we're talking about building a new pool or or the the, the repairs here, or, or I think sixteen plus million to build a whole new pool, that's a lot of money. And I, I I certainly know it wouldn't be easy to spend that kind of cash, especially with some of the concerns about about this particular location. But at the same time, this is a huge part of the community, so it, it must be a tough uh, tough decision here for you to, to look at how this would work from a budgeting perspective and whether this is the right thing. I, I know you're, I'm sure you're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah. And my typical decision making process is I like to listen to staff. I like to hear from the community. I like to hear from experts and like try to incorporate all of those perspectives. Um, because I do think, you know, as outlined here, staff said, like, you know, there are other options, they just cost a lot of money, and they might not be like, they might not last permanently. Um, but there are other options. So I do want to hear what people have to say. But, you know, recognizing that this might happen, in five, 10 years that you might get this groundwater uh, issue, especially as we have more flooding events. It sounds like it, it um, you know, when, when the whole park submerges underwater, a lot more of the water gets trapped in, in the groundwater um, below the deck. So it does sound like with climate change and more flooding, we might see this more regularly. So it's hard to know. It's kind of looking in the crystal ball into the future. If, you know, you could do that and you could tell me that, you know, this won't happen for 50 more years, I'd be like, okay, let's just, you know, fix it. But um, no one has that crystal ball. Yeah. And the idea of spending, you know, 12, and let's be honest here, we see these estimates for 60, let's, let's, it's, it's going to be $20 million probably by the time that thing opens. So let's, spending $20 million and then being told 15 years from now, oh, flooded again. Like we, you can't do that. Like that, that would be a disastrous use of, uh, of dollars from the city of London. So I, I, I get that part of it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, again, not a lot of residents have, have heard this, but I was chatting with a couple of people just this afternoon as it was coming out and they were already like, you know, we, we invested a lot in, in 2010 to do these updates mm -hmm. and couldn't, couldn't we have foretold that this might happen? And, you know, I wasn't around at that time and, and I didn't know what the circumstances were and it wasn't really highlighted in the report, but I guess that's what I'm afraid of is if we do invest a lot of money now, what about like, you know, people are like, oh, why do we do that when we, you know, and at this point we kind of do know that the flooding and the groundwater are concerns. Yes. Uh, and, and even two years ago, uh, summer of 2021, there was, uh, I think, $2 million budgeted for work that occurred at the pool house and at the bathrooms, uh, sort of at the pavilion, sort of around uh, just a, a few yards away from where the pool is. And, and that doesn't mean that that, that money is completely gone, obviously. Like, th those facilities will still be uh, able to be used for a splash pad if that's what goes there. But it's it, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow thinking, oh, wait a minute, why, didn't we know that this might have been a problem, you know, two, three years ago when we were doing this? So, so I, I get why some in the community may be wondering about that angle of it as well. Have you heard questions about that? Um, I haven't yet, but you know, that does make sense. Like how much, um, how much do we know at that point? I'm not really sure. I, I wasn't in, on council and I didn't really follow it that closely. Um, 
but yeah, I think it continues to raise that point. And staff in the report did outline like pretty much every year there's some sort of repair that they've had to do, some related to the flood that happened in 2018, but others just like regular maintenance and, and issues with flooding. So yeah, it's just, um, it's a really bad location for infrastructure. Yes. To put in a floodplain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, well, that's it's why not... it's a park and not a bunch of houses, right? Like exactly yeah. for sure. For sure. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just definitely, I don't think in 1927 it was like fully thought out of, of um, the long-term use of the site. And I, I think nowadays we would never build a new pool in the floodplain. It's just that, you know, this is where it is right now. So. Yeah, and that, and that park does flood pretty regularly. And, and disclosure, uh, I I don't live far from that park. My kids love that park, and uh, they're going to be sad to find out. I haven't told them yet. They're going to be sad to find out about the pool situation. Uh, but that park gets uh, pretty lake looking every spring, or if not every spring, it, it happens on a pretty regular basis. So I understand that uh, the flooding aspect has not been uh, has not been played up here. It is definitely a, a thing to consider. Anyone who frequents that park in uh, in April and May would likely be able to back that up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think anywhere kind of along the the Thames, regular flooding occurs. So um, you know, and even just thinking back to the. I think it was, was it also 2018? There was a big flood in like the Waltz and Weasel is a yep. bit underwater and, and like all the, those uh, fields, soccer fields out there. So yep. for the most part, staff try to put uh, infrastructure that can withstand a flood and won't be damaged. But I think like a very large pool, unfortunately, um, as we've learned, doesn't seem to hold up very well long-term in a floodplain, uh, which is why, again, they're, they're suggesting it. But I don't know. It's super tough. It's super tough. And uh I don't think anyone in the community is going to be happy because the reality is there's just not a lot of uh, aquatic opportunity in that, like, you know, within mm-hmm. a, let's say, 45 minute walk, you know, from yep. Old South to downtown, there's some indoor facilities, there's Gibbons, and then there's Southcrest. But if you've got little kids, that's a, that's a pretty long walk. And if not, you're going to have to take a car and we really don't want people driving around the city. We want people to be able to use their neighborhood facilities. Well, we talk about 15 minute cities, right? And before anyone from the conspiracy brigade messages, either of us, we're talking about being able to walk to things that you want. There's, there's no one controlling who can go where. Anyway, we talk about 15 minute cities, uh, for people in Wortley and old South, uh, having a pool within a 15 minute walk is something that is currently there and, and won't be And and Gibbons nice spot. I can walk to Gibbons from my place. That probably takes about 45 minutes. You know, that's, that's, that's not in the 15 minute, uh, barometer. And for some folks, that's just not going to be, uh, that's not going to be workable. And, and Southcrest obviously is completely the other way and that's going to have to be a car stop. So, it um it's it, it, it's not a good spot to be in no uh, no uh, i want to ask you about something from the report and it says right here as i uh as i look at the staff report which you can see it at londonnewstoday.ca if you want to go take a look uh continue to analyze aquatic demand and assess the feasibility of including a 50 meter indoor pool at a future community center build that stood out to me because i think that folks have been talking about a community center uh in old south or in wortley for some time and i'm sure you would have heard about that when you were campaigning this past uh summer and fall uh did that stand out to you as well what were your thoughts on the community center build idea yeah, I thought that sounded very interesting to me. Um, something I did hear a lot about when I was campaigning is the lack of uh, recreational and park space in specifically Old South. Um, you know, there's a there's actually a decent amount of green space towards the west side of Warrencliffe, but the east side of Warrencliffe, you really have Thames Park, um, Wortley Green, you've got Roselle Park, which is just a bit of grass, and then you've got Dunkirk Park, which is a really thin little park that has some play equipment. So 
there's not a lot of actual facilities. Um, you know, there's not a spray pad um, already available. So I did hear a lot about people saying like, where can I go and where can I take my kids, especially because the Thames pool had been closed in 2022. So um, I'm really interested to see, you know, where would be an appropriate and possible location and like, how can we make sure that um, residents of Old South are able to walk to it within 15 minutes. So I don't know where they're planning that, but I am very keen to to learn more from staff. Yeah, because it obviously can't be where the pool is now. Uh, so where where would it be, and where would be a sensible community center spot? It's it's kind of a pretty tightly uh, tightly bunched up uh, spot right now. There isn't a lot of open space in that particular part of the city. So. Uh, yeah, that's a interesting conversation. Uh, last thing before we wrap up here, Skylar is, uh, when people that live in the area reach out to you and they say to you, Hey, I'd really like to see, you know, a, a, a new pool there, or I want to see this there. I want to see that there. What are you going to be telling folks as far as how your decision-making process is going to be? What's your rea- uh, interaction with constituents going to look like on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely want people to email, call, show up at my town hall, have a conversation about it. Um, I want to, I guess I want to gauge people's appetite for costing. Um, again, knowing that Ward 11 residents aren't the only ones that use the space. Um, and knowing that if we do invest any money in it, there's no guarantee that it will be able to be retained or stay open uh, in the future. So I think I'd have to hear from um, residents like a really compelling um push to like accept a really high level of, of cost. And I, I, you know, I'll be honest, when I campaigned last year, a lot of people don't want to see their property taxes go up. So mm-hmm. if people are really keen to, to, to pay for, you know, this facility, knowing that it's going to cost a lot to maintain and keep open, that I could hear that maybe being a, something I'd consider. Um, otherwise, you know, if people want to keep property taxes low, but they also want this open, those things don't don't match up, right? So I, mean, I just need to understand what people's expectations are um, in that regard. And you mentioned climate change earlier, just before I wrap up here. Uh, it, it, I can't really see it in the staff report anywhere, but is it, is it fair to say, or in, in your estimation when you talk with staff, are we seeing more floods in that area in the last couple of years? And is it possible or, or uh, reasonable to say that there's a chance that climate change is the reason why? Is that something that you've had a conversation with uh, uh, on, in regards to staff uh, about that? For sure, yeah. we uh, They did talk about that when I was chatting with staff on the call. And it is sprinkled a little bit in the report. They kind of just mentioned, you know, long-term sustainability and managing their capital assets in a sustainable manner. Um, so I do know that they are considering that this area will flood more regularly. And I think the other part too is it's like um, once the water gets under the pool and it remains there, it's those uh, very deep and long freezes, which also in the winter we are expecting, you know, where you get a week of like negative 30. Very unusual to happen, but we've been seeing that more and more in our winters. Um, And that's where like, you know, the water will continue to freeze and that's where they see the cracking underneath. So um, I do think that that is motivating them to, 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 uh, make this decision is they think it's going to be more flooding and more freezing. And based on science, they are correct that that will happen. And we know that this area is a floodplain, so it's going to happen there. So I do know that that is one of the, the factors that they considered. Uh, well, it's uh, it's good to note. Uh, tough day, but thanks very much for uh, for making a couple of minutes for us, Skylar. We appreciate it. Yes, happy to and uh, happy to hear from residents on this issue. 
That's Skylar Frank, Ward 12 counselor, joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast, talking about what's going on with Thames Pool. And you heard me mention in my question to Skylar, $2 million that was spent, or roughly $2 million, I don't have the exact total, but that was what was budgeted to be spent fixing up the change rooms and the pool house and a, a washroom pavilion near Thames Pool. And that was in the summer of 2021. So not very long ago. And I knew that it happened because I take my kids to that park all the time, as I said, and I walked by the construction zone every day. Now, I wanted to ask city staff some questions about that. And hey, did we know this may be an issue in 2021 or what may happen with the pool when we were spending, you know, millions of dollars there. And I was under the impression that that would happen. Uh, at the very least, I called city comm staff earlier today and said I would like to speak with uh, someone from Aquatics about this. And it didn't seem like that was going to be a problem. And then I was told that uh, this is a quote from Joanne Johnston from the Media Relations Department at the City of London. We will not be providing any additional comments until the Community Protective Services Committee and City Council decide on the next steps on the Thames Pool. The proposal will be debated at committee on March 21st and taken to Council for a decision on April 4th. This is not how you run an organization, City of London. I'm sorry, but it's not. I think there are people that have some questions about how money was spent at this pool, about how this decision was come to as far as a staff recommendation. And I think hiding from the media is not how you should answer those questions. That doesn't make the situation look better now, does it? In fact, it makes it look like you're trying to hide. I'm just trying to give you advice. Here. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to be your friend here. Uh, if you're going to have a situation where a staple for a lot of people in the city is going to close. And let me define staple for a lot of people in the city. Let's go to the old Twitter machine. So we can define staple for a lot of people in the community. And to do that, I want to read you this tweet. This is devastating. My favorite pool in London. Public pools are essential for kids to learn water safety. Also, the only outdoor 50 meter pool in the city. It is worth the investment to keep it open. Now, who was saying that? Who wanted to put that idea into the city of London's conversation? May I suggest to you, it was Maggie McNeil, the Olympic gold medal world record holding Maggie McNeil. Who's from right here in London. She's real good at swimming. She's better at swimming than any of us can dream of being at anything. For the most part. No one you know is better at anything than Maggie McNeil is at swimming. In all likelihood. And... Because of this, because someone with this type of profile and ability is saying, hey, we messed up with this pool here. If I were city staff, I would probably want to be having a conversation about what had happened with the pool, as opposed to just putting one quote on a news release and putting out a report that most of the public isn't going to understand. That's how I would want to do things. Maggie also posted a photo of herself training at Thames pool before the 2020 Olympics in the height of the pandemic. Seems like it's worth at least exploring the idea of keeping it around. And look, staff has not ruled that out. 
But I think that Councillor Frank and her colleagues are in a tough, tough spot just based on the way this has been presented to us is what is going on with the pool, what's happening with the ground shifting under there. And again, you can go to londonnewstoday.ca to see the report. There's a, it's a link there. I want to add one thing, though, about the $2 million that was spent there in the summer of 2021. I asked John Paul McGonigal from the City of London about that expenditure. And this was when they were announcing the Thames pool wasn't going to be opening last year. He's the city's director of recreation and sport. The neat thing about it is uh, I asked about this last year and therefore I still have the audio. So I can play you exactly what was told to me when asked about what that two-ish million dollars was spent on. Again, not the pool, the facilities surrounding the pool. Here's how that sounded. Well, that construction project, you're absolutely right. Uh, the scope of that project uh, was to update the uh, field house and bathhouse, and that included the change rooms uh, to universal style. There wasn't any mechanical work uh, completed as part of that project. Um, but at the end of every year, um, we inspect our pools and we close them. And in the spring, we inspect them before we open them. And so uh, similar to individuals who go out to open their pool for the season, sometimes the pump is gone and, and infrastructure failure is a real thing. Um, uh, obviously, the scope of this infrastructure failure is not something that uh, is frequent uh, in our world. Um, but it is a reality, and so uh, the project that was done last year had nothing to do with the pool, and there was no issues uh, with the actual pool itself in the fall. And so these these issues have arisen this spring and, and throughout the winter, possibly. And uh, and uh, as we go and inspect our pools to get them open and do all of our pressure testing and all the other inspections that are required, um, this was simply just the outcome for Thames Pool as part of that infrastructure uh, investigation. So I can't help but wonder why, when we're making a decision to spend $2 million there, wasn't this whole situation on the radar as far as what has gone on with the ground shifting and the water coming in and all that stuff. Why wasn't that talked about then? That's the question I've got before the $2 million is out the door. So there are some ways that what was built there could still be useful. I, I, I am totally understanding of that. Even if it's a splash pad, you could still use change rooms there. You could still use washrooms there, obviously. That's fine. This is something that if I were at the City of London, I wouldn't want to let a report that most of the public is not going to read do the talking for me. I would want to address people. And good on Council Frank for coming on the show and talking about that with us. That's good, and that's her job, and I'm glad she did it. But I think that City of London staff probably should have done the very same thing. We're talking about millions of dollars in a really important piece of infrastructure here, and you're just going to let this sit for a week and offer one quote in the news release? <sighs> that's not what I'd do. Now you have my take on the situation. We're going to hear more. Uh, I suspect as time goes on. So there's your uh, unusual Wednesday episode of the Craig Needles podcast. We are, of course, available at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca. Plus, you can find us on your very favorite podcast app. We thank you for The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.